Good morning, everybody, and welcome again to another Sunday morning. Uh, we're, we're diving deep here into a series of being deeply rooted. What is deeply rooted, Tabitha? <laughs> when Scott and I were going through the Necessary Endings book by Dr. Henry Cloud, one of the things that the Lord began to speak to us about is how in the times of when things are out of control, you have no control in what's going on how that can ramp up your anxiety. And it reminded us of the scripture found in Matthew 7, actually, 24 to 27, about the two houses that are built on two different foundations entirely. One is built on a rock foundation. And so when the elements, uh, wind, rain, water, whatever the case may be, uh, come beating against it, the house remains solid. But the other one is built on sand And when the elements come, the sand erodes away and the house crumbles and falls. And, you know, with all this flooding going on in the world and dams breaking and stuff like that, we have visual evidence of the destruction when we're not firmly anchored into rock that stays place. And so being deeply rooted is about actually navigating the uncontrollables, navigating those things in such a way through your relationship with God that you are anchored, you are sure, you are strong, your faith is untouched, but actually grows even deeper. So that is deeply rooted. Right. So we can all be assured that trials and tribulations, the storms of life will come to all of us. Mm-hmm. And being deeply rooted is how do you overcome? How do you uh, be successful in these moments? And today we're, we're going across continents and bringing a very special a couple into your living room at home. And it's uh, we're going to listen to their story today. Listen to how they've become deeply rooted, how they have built their entire foundation on something that's solid, that when mm-hmm. the storms of life come, um, they can overcome. So as we anticipate our guests, who are, it's going to be a real fun time with them because they're such a fun couple. So there's a lot, a lot of shifting, and I, and I know that we're not the only family who's experiencing shifting, but understand that in, like we said before, in the stretched zone is where the growth really happens. In fact, Jeff, you were reading something out of Isaiah this morning. That, yes. That yeah, talked yeah, actually, about that a little why, bit. Why, right? don't, why don't I pull that up right here? Because it's such a it's such a beautiful chapter. So if anybody is following along in their Bibles, it's Isaiah 54. Isaiah 53 is like, one of the pinnacle scriptures in all the Bible. It's it's a prophetic viewpoint way previous prior to Jesus showing up. And Isaiah just outlies all of Jesus, what he's going to do. And it's his dying that brings us back and redeems us. And then he leads us into this as being children of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what he says to us. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess the nations and resettle the desolate cities. That scripture is a broad scripture with um, years and years and years of generational meaning, but the, the, the overarching message is that when you're founded in Christ, you will stretch, you will grow, you will be victorious too. That's just so, so neat, which leads us into our special guests. We are going to be talking with some ordinary people that do extraordinary things. 
They are, <laughs> no, they're so awesome. They have an incredible journey. They're no different from uh, you and me. And yet the choices they've made, the path that they've chosen is a path um, that is beautiful. But the, it, the path that they've chosen is a path that it's not easy. It's not this like simple, like sliding down and going to an amusement park and just got great challenges. As we opened up with that scripture, specifically with the intentful purpose of, of life will come with its stresses and strains. And we're going to hear a lot about that in, in Jen and, and Phil's story. But in that, it's a beautiful story. It's been a great ride. And with further ado, let's bring them in here. And, and welcome our special guest coming live from Brazil. Good morning. Hi, guys. Good morning. <laughs> so good to see you. So good to see you guys. Um, you know, when we look back, it's been almost 20 years now that you guys have been affiliated with the Vineyard and just taking this nutso ride and adventure of life that you guys have chosen down. But when we look back 20 years ago, um, there's no way you would have seen where you are today. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we go back 20 years ago. Why don't you just, what did life look like? What did you think the future held? Where were you 20 years ago? 20 years ago, we... Um, we weren't Christians. We were not Christians. Well, no, yeah. Yeah, we were just... No, we weren't. Yeah, no, so we 2001. Weren't. No, we were yeah. not Christians. Uh, we had just, either we were still in Nigeria or we were on our way back from Nigeria yeah, after working with, you know, monkeys and conservation and all of that and uh, trying to go back to Nigeria, as a matter of fact, on September 11, 2001, we were in a car on our way to the airport when everything happened, as we know, on September 11, 2001. That was amazing. You guys were actually booked on a plane on that day? He was I was heading back. Plane. I was on the way to the airport when it all happened. And we had, yeah, yeah, turned the car around. Um, and so God just kept shutting doors and we couldn't, like, we wanted to go back to Nigeria. That was everything we wanted to do. And God just kept shutting doors and shutting doors. And, um, but then when he shuts one, he opens another. Right. So 2011 leads you to, I believe we first got to know each other in a little bit in 2002. That's really our first intro together. What was going on at that point is, as you said, you were coming into, you, you weren't believers at that point. How did that journey happen for you? Well, we got married in August. Yeah. Um, and my my sister and my brother-in-law, Lauren Patrick Kilborn, um, they had taken the Alpha course uh, while I was in Nigeria and started writing me emails about the love of Jesus. And I was like, stop talking to me about that. Um, so when I came back from Nigeria, I was pretty lost. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, I was married. I mean, it was, we were getting married. I was in love, but there was still something missing. Um, and I didn't want to have kids. And I had no idea how I felt about that kind of, about faith and God and all the rest of it. And so my sister said, well, why don't you take Alpha? And uh, I was sort of hesitant because I had seen, you know, my brother-in-law Patrick go from like completely the opposite to uh, wearing a gold cross around his neck. And so I was like, I don't think you get to come out the other end of this thing the same. <laughs> so I'm not, yeah, I was hesitant. Well, you didn't want to go because, and I didn't want to, I was not interested did, yeah. at all. So I, I said, no, I'm, I, I don't want to go. So you kind of didn't want to go on your own. So then my sister, seeing that I was like on the precipice, was like, well, I'll go with you. I mean, you, you can get something out of it again. So I'll come. So that was sort of like, for me, that sealed the deal. I was like, all right, I'll go. And he still didn't want to go. And I, you know, I really wanted him to, because I did have the sense that I was not going to come out the same on the other end. 
And uh, so I said, well, here's the deal. Uh, they cook dinner, so I won't be. And that was pretty I'm in. I'll go. <laughs> Food always gets you. Hey. Actually, you know, Jen and Phil, because you guys have lived with us for quite some time, but you know how all of a sudden a song will go into my head, as it does with you guys, and we'll just start breaking out. So while you're talking about Alpha, the song, Welcome to the Car Wash, you know, Welcome to the Car Wash, came into my head. And it's like Alpha is very much like that. You go through, you go in one way and you come out completely different. Mm, well yeah. said. And so, and so Alpha then leads you into quite a crazy journey as we look back, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's just under, it's, it's 19 years. And mm-hmm. so you guys come to the Cambridge Vineyard and you're brand new Christians, but you have already previous going into this kind of like this international thing. Like what, what were you doing with monkeys? <laughs> so <laughs> we work with a conservation rehabilitation project. But we used to joke a lot. Now, remember, we weren't Christians. The irony was we didn't actually like missionaries at the time. (laughs) We used to joke to ourselves that we were monkey missionaries. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The monkey missionaries. missionaries. Yeah, we would joke that. And that's where you guys initially met. Is that correct? Yeah. That's where we met. Yeah. He initially didn't come over to work with monkeys. He came to do something else. But his project fell apart. In the meantime, he had met us. We needed a handy guy, and as anyone who knows Phil knows, he's very handy. Uh, and his project fell through, so we kind of adopted him too. So then, after after Alpha, big changes happen in life, and then we Lauren Patrick had started kind of church shopping at the time, and they dated the vineyard a couple of times. But they thought it would be crazy. They're like, I don't, I don't know if you're going to like that. People put their hands up when they worship. It, it, it might freak Phil out. <laughs> So we finally went to the vineyard, but the thing was, we walked in the door of vineyard, and I wasn't super comfortable in churches anyway, but we walked in the door, and we both instantly felt at home. Just an absolute kind of like, yeah, this is where we belong. So that's quite quite a nice entry into it, but going from you were a carpenter, and and Jen, you you were getting into the real estate, kind of what normal Cambridgeans would be, right? You, you now live in Joao Poseo? No, Pessoa. Pessoa. Sorry. Pessoa. <laughs> I, messed, I messed it up. I'm going to send you and Scott on training on how to yeah, say Joao Pessoa. Joao Pessoa. There we go. And, and you've got this incredible journey um, that has led you from Mr. Carpenter and, and Miss Real Estate into picking up, making major life changes, moving your children down there. And living a life that is this life of faith, which is so different from what we live normally day to day. And in this story, there's an element of that I would like to grasp through this is, is where were you with the Lord through all of these steps along the way? And what's going on in your hearts as you take such risk? And I mean, it, to most people online, there are people who are like, that's crazy. But your story is, is so beautiful. And the things that you're doing down there is so impactful. You are changing lives down there. So let's just walk through that a little bit there. So when did this desire to pick up, what happened? Why would you take such risk stepping out, taking your family, going to a new country with, like, you're not Portuguese, I take it, right? But they speak Portuguese there. Yes, they do. So when when did the call, When did, what was going on? Walk us through that. 
Well, Phil went on a mission trip in 2006. Well, actually, if you back it up a little bit further, I thought we felt I was supposed to go on a mission trip in 2004. When Luke was born, yeah. But we... But we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. We we didn't. We weren't very trusting, and we said, "Well, no, that's going to cost this much money. We don't have that money. We've got a new kid. We can't do it." And somebody said, after he had said he wasn't going to go, somebody said to him, "Oh, that's interesting because I just feel like if God's calling me to do something, uh, He's going to provide." And that was like earth shattering to us. We baby Christians. Right time the trip was going to Guatemala, we now had two babies. Right, we had Luke, who was like just two, and Faith was like three months old. And, uh, and the trip was coming up again, and it was a construction trip, and we were like, okay, you're going to go. Yeah. So. We, we totally felt, again, we felt like I'm supposed to go, but this time we knew. When the team came back the first time around, I was like, I should have gone. Mm-hmm. I should have been on that trip. And then this one time it came around, I said, no, I'm doing it. I don't know how we're doing it, but I'm doing it. And exactly like the person told us would happen, you know, God provided. He got extra work. We got, I don't know, we did, money just came from weird places and it just showed up. But not before we committed to go. Like he committed to go and then the money came, right? So it was a stretch for us, yeah. a big stretch. And then in 2008, there was a trip going to Brazil to Shinga Mission. In the 2006 trip, oh, right. yeah. I, I felt God saying that you can do this. And Jen and I, Jen and I had talked about We'd lived overseas before, so that was in our kind of DNA about. And but we were getting pretty settled in Cambridge. We were, pretty, you know, fitting in. Had our businesses going. We were comfortable. Um, but yeah, that trip, I really felt God sort of saying, "You, you don't have to wait till your kids are grown up. You don't have to wait. For, you can do this now." So of course, I come running back from Guatemala, saying, "Hey, Jen, guess what? We should be missionaries." And I was like, la, 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 la. <laughs> "I don't hear that." And I think for me, the problem was my heart was in Africa still. Uh, but I couldn't, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around going anywhere but Africa or Nigeria. That was still where my heart was. And then in 2007, I took a trip to Nigeria again to visit. And I was on the back of a motorcycle heading into the bush. Um, I was going to go and see monkeys being released, which was our, our goal. So it was a huge full circle moment. And at the time I was like, okay, God, like, I understand, you know, somewhat of how you work. So I know that me going to Nigeria had something to do with you, even though I wasn't a missionary. I didn't like missionaries, none of that stuff. And But I was passionate about this. And now I know this isn't what I'm supposed to do. So what was all of that about? Because I know that nothing that's happened in my life was by mistake. And he started playing this sort of movie role through my head of all of the things that we did as, you know, monkey missionaries and basically said, I was training you. You know, I think that that's one of those pivotal moments for me where I kind of knew that, okay, we're on a track. I still, I was still in denial for yeah. another few years. I was on board for, <laughs> after the trip to, um, after my trip to Brazil, I knew where we were supposed to be missionaries at this point. Mm-hmm. Like God really put Brazil in my heart, but you know, mm-hmm. I came back and, and kind of trying to convince Jen and if anybody knows Jen, the more you try and push her on something, the harder she'll push back. So I kept pushing, saying, no, we should do it. And she's like, no, we're staying. This is what we're supposed to be here. And eventually God really sort of spoke to me and said, when are you going to let me talk to her? When are you going to stop and let me talk to her? When are you going to stop trying to do this yourself? And I, so I stopped and almost instantly Jen started saying little things that were, you could see something was changing. So then we did our 2010 trip. We did two yeah. trips in 2010, one to Costa Rica and one to Brazil. Costa Rica, we went with uh, the La Corsiers. Mm-hmm. We only had five kids at this point. 
So there's only only seven kids only, under the age of only seven. seven kids. So, yeah, Madison was seven, and the youngest was Ezra, and he was like 15 months old. So that was a very impactful trip for Jen. And for them. Yeah. That was the trip where we decided we were being, I, I finally was like, okay, I'm all in. I get it. God wants me to be a missionary. And of course, we were like, yeah, no, we are not called to be international missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, just, just uh, often we want God just to, you know, do the booming light and just tell us where to go and illuminate our path before us and tell us, okay, just, Lord, just tell me where the end is. And then I'll just eventually work my way towards that thing. Like we often think that as young and I would, I would actually say immature Christians. And as I've walked this life and I, and I think my wife would say the same thing and probably you guys the same thing. God doesn't just let you know what's going to happen. He doesn't illuminate the end point. I often look at it, if you're walking down a dark street at night, he doesn't turn all the lights on on the street to give you the path to see where you're going. He actually just turns on maybe one light or maybe it's only a flashlight to know just the step ahead of you. And in that it's interesting. I'd like to hear your comments and your thoughts about where you thought you would have been in all of this stuff, because this is a, this is pretty radical as you sit there and move a family, change careers go from a life of self-provision to self-reliance upon the Lord. Walk us through that, those choices. What has God been saying to you? And how how did each of these little paths in your life or each segment change and move you towards the journey you're on? There's been a lot of, I mean, continuously in our life, you suddenly sort of poke your head up at what you're doing and look around and go, how on earth did we get here? <laughs> in a bad way, in, in a great way. Like, yeah. how did this happen? Because of that, you never thought any of this would happen 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. And it just continues like that because we focus on the next step. Do you want to? Yeah. So, something that has been kind of instrumental to our, our walk is uh, Psalm 119. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And so, like you were saying, Jeff, in our experience, God has not given us a floodlight down the road and shown us where we're going. He gives us the next step, the next step, the next step. And our job is to always, as we have learned in this process, to be asking, what is that next step? And one of the things that we learned in our preparation, so from 2010, when we decided, yes, we're going to be missionaries and we were, you know, accepted into be missionaries with Shinga Mission. And so then we started the process of walking that out and we had to fundraise um, in order to come because we're not, you know, we're not self-funded, that's for sure. Uh, so we started to fundraise. We started to do whatever we could. We were blogging and talking to people, but nothing was happening. We weren't seeing any funds come in. And by this time, uh, we had sold a house that we lived in community with, with my sister and brother-in-law. Um, that's a whole other story. Uh, of one of those things where we thought it was going to go one way and it went the other way. We thought we were going to, you know, just do short-term missions and live together and, you know, travel. And that, no, God was like, no, that's not what's happening. So we'd already sold that house and moved into a townhouse that we were going to rent while we were, you know, living in Brazil. But we weren't seeing the funds coming in. And we're like, well, we can't, we can't leave if we don't have the funds. Like we had a minimum that we had to get to. And so we just felt like, like this stall sort of thing. Well, we haven't asked God what we're supposed to do next. Maybe we need to ask him, you know, maybe we need to go to the source. So I said, let's go pray and we'll come back and see what we get. So I went and prayed 
And like at this point, I think we had a hundred dollars a month commitment and we had to have like 3000, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't, <laughs> I don't think we even had that when we left, but whatever. Anyway, so we were like praying for that. And then God said to me pretty clearly, you know, you need to put your townhouse up for rent. And we were, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? But where are we going to live? What are we going to do? Like, like, what are you talking about? How can we put our house up for rent when we don't have the money to go? And, uh, and so I was like, okay, if that's you, Lord, please say the same thing to my husband and confirm it. <laughs> so he goes off to pray. So I prayed about it. And um, so I come back and she's on me. She's like, did you pray? Did you pray? Did you pray? What do you say? What do you say? So I felt really strongly that he wanted us to go on missions. So I had those experiences. But this time I was kind of like uncertain because what I felt like he'd said to me didn't make any sense. And I turned around and I said, well, I feel like he's kind of saying that we should rent the house. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huge confirmation. So we said, okay. So we, Jen, set it up and put it up on, uh, on Kijiji or somewhere, like to rent it. And literally, as we put the ad up, we started getting phone calls about support and started getting more connections about support. It was. And, you know, and so backing up, backtracking a little bit, you know, this hearing from God, when we were new Christians and stuff, no idea what we were talking about. I'm like, well, maybe he's talking to you, but he's not talking to you. All I hear is my voice in my head. Um, and our small group uh, did a study called Experiencing God. That's the book. That's Experiencing the God. That's the book. Yeah. One of the things that it's a very like uh, practical, like you're not just reading and studying. It's like, okay, now put it into practice. And so one of the homework things was, okay, now go and take a walk with God, which I was like, all right, whatever. And you need to listen to what he has to say to you. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'll do it because I'm supposed to, but he doesn't talk to me. So I went for a walk and I was, you know, I talk a lot. If anyone who knows me knows that. We both do. Babbling <laughs> <laughs> away in my head and, oh God, you don't talk to me like this. And out of, like, in the middle of that babble, I hear, if you would stop talking for a second, you might be able to hear me. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Uh, oh. And that was like that defining moment of realizing like, hey, that's what that sounds like. And, and I mean, that's something that we now, I mean, we put into practice and it, it takes practice. It takes time. Uh, but that study was, it did two things for us early on in our, in our walk. It helped us hear God's voice. And it also um, cemented the idea that whatever we do, you know, there's lots of good things we can do, but we don't just do good things to do good things. We ask God, what are the good things that he has for us to do? And then we do those. And instead of the going, hey, God, I'm going to do this. Are you coming? Do you want to bless this? You know, it's more like. Well, the side of it where you can you can hear from God and you, okay, he says, I want you to be missionaries. Okay, great. Well, then now I stop listening to God and I just <laughs> run off with that one thing he told me. And I stop checking in mm. because with the lamplight thing, with the scripture, he shines the lamplight to the next step. Yeah. But the, not to take the next step and, and build run. and run with it because God will be back doing his thing and you've missed all the blessing. Yeah. So th that's, that is an absolute perfect segue to just, let's just bring in part of the scripture here at Luke 10 because this is, this is perfect because as you're taking this wild journey, there's this balance between on this one hand, you've got, I've got to do, I've got to serve, I've got to, action oriented and then there's this other side that is so critical in the walk of i need to sit in his presence 
And the two go hand in hand, and it's always a balance. Let's just go into Luke 10. We're just going to read a, a quick scripture here. And this is a story about Martha and Mary. What are you reading out of? And I, I, I'm reading out of the ESV. Great. Um, Luke 10, it's verse 38. And, and listen to the words of the author and how, what's balance these two things. Servanthood, doing sitting in the presence of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those are what we're, our focal point is. Those are the lens we're going to read this. So it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister is, left me to serve alone, tell her to do something and to help me. And then Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen it, the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is so critical in the walk. And this is, we're talking about deeply rooted and, mm -hmm. and, Jen and Phil, you are a shining example of the gospel. You do so many things well. But when we sit and talk about, okay, how can everybody get something out of this? What are the things that we hope you walk away today and grasp from? This is the key is we often think, let me just do, 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 do. And if you do, 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 you actually lose that intimacy. You don't grow in that. And Jen's story is right. I think your story is is spot on with almost everybody. Everybody that be listening online is, oh, I can't hear God. That's that's not me. That's mm -hmm. you. Like Jen and Phil got the cape on. They're they're out there being superheroes. Well, Jen and Phil were just normal people. They were normal Cambridgians, right? <laughs> that is no different from Jeff and Tab and, and anybody else online here. And this this is so critical as to be successful because he doesn't illuminate that long path in front of us. He wants you to sit with him. His, you read from the scripture there, his desire, he said, how did he say it? He said it was the one thing that is necessary. You can do all these other things, but the one thing that is necessary is to sit in his presence. And actually, we're going to unpack this a little bit because one of the reasons why I asked you to come on today was really because you've come out of a season of where doing, doing, doing took over, right? Mm -hmm. And and in our North American society, we are driven to be successful, uh, whether it is career paths or keeping up with the Joneses to get our kids into this thing, that thing, and the other thing, whatever the case may be, you know, we are striving in our North American culture. Mm -hmm. And you took some of that striving with you into Brazil mm -hmm. and it ended up with something it's almost taboo. And that, and that is the word burnout. Right. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that story and that that journey, because what were the elements of things that were put into place that led you down to the journey of burnout? Well, so we're jumping ahead a little bit in the story. So we were called to be missionaries. We moved to Brazil. Um, and we were um, living in one place, Pará and Marabá, working there, and then felt called to where we are now, to João Pessoa. When we were called here, we were called to work with a team. 
uh, that was going to plant a church here, a vineyard. Uh, but within two months of moving here, that team had dissolved. They were gone. And um, so we were then, we had two things going on. We really wanted to, you know, uh, submit to the Holy Spirit and to what God had planned because that mm -hmm. plan did not work out. But we also were, you know, submitting to our, our leadership and what they had planned, which was a church plant. And so we had this duality going on where we were, you know, as Phil was putting it, we were discussing it. It was like we were serving two gods. Uh, we were trying to please the people, but we were also trying to follow God. And, you know, when you are carrying a burden that God didn't give you, it's really heavy. And instead of being life-giving, it's life-draining. We started to feel an exhaustion, as I put an exhaustion in my soul. Mm. Uh, where I, it didn't matter how much sleep I got, I woke up exhausted. You have to back up a little bit. We, yeah. were, do, we were doing two things. We were, we'd taken the original lamplight and God had told us to, to move to Juan Yeah. That so that, that we knew for sure. So when this team left, other people were like, well, what do you do now? Do you leave? Do you go back to Madhubar? Do you go back to Canada? We're like, no, we're supposed to be here. We knew that. We felt that. But we were still carrying this initial kind of moved to Jerombasoa to plant a church with this group. So we were still carrying this church plant side on. But what we also started doing was what we'd been sort of learned in our life was to pray and ask God, what are we supposed to do? So we, we had this time there where we had to really sit down day, every day, like we'd take the kids to school and we'd sit down and we would pray, God, what do you want us to do? Because everything's kind of disappeared now. So... We really had to submit ourselves to that, but then on that, so we're trusting God in that, but on our other side, we're like still carrying this church plant thing. So now when we started to pray about stuff, God started to show us stuff. So we were following the lamplight on one side of our lives. God was opening up to us to the ministry that we now work in. But we were still trying to follow this other side, the vision of what was going on. So we were literally trying to serve two masters, and and that just and it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And and in that, you know, it's worth noting that there's nothing wrong with the church planting. That's I mean, that's amazing. That's how we grow the church. But see, we're we're a body, and the Lord has got many things on His mind, and we are not privy to everything that He's doing. You know, we look at this from you know my outsider point of view. I see a need. I see a need in an area that the church is not servicing. And you guys have this call. You have this incredible gifting. And you're so good at diving into the area that other people aren't willing to go into. You know, these baby steps along the way have led you down a path of small illumination that if you knew that whole picture you would have missed out on some of the lessons learned, some of the journey, some of the things that matured you and, and grew you to make you successful in the moment that you're in now. And and this moment that you're in now maybe look very different 10 years from now. And so it's just a really interesting path of how God takes us down these paths. God's got a much bigger, he has the whole picture of our lives. He knows exactly where we're supposed to be. He also knows what we have to pass through to be successful in what he wants us to do. And if we ignore those steps, we miss so much of the blessing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's so much 
better to have him in control than us in control. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When we were chatting um, earlier, but yesterday and Friday, just laughing and enjoying each other's company, uh, one of the things, Phil and Jen, one of the questions that I had asked you was like, like, how did you know that you were serving two masters? How did you know that you were burnt out? How did you know these things? Because we have just gone through a season of, of COVID around the world, right? It mm-hmm. has been a very stressful time. I mean, if I, I can speak for any leader in any organization that trying to wrap yourself around COVID and, and trying to wrap your, your mind around how to protect people when you've got such a varying degree of opinions and belief systems is exhausting because you know, at any point, you're not going to please everybody and somebody's going to be angry with you. Somebody's going to be frustrated because their dependence or what they feel they need from you, you're not going to be able to give out, right? And then coming out of the culture shock of when we do, like we're now in phase three and people are now being able to go back out, we might find ourselves in another lockdown. Who knows? But our world, our culture has shifted, right? And so you have some valuable tools because you've experienced major culture shift, And I don't think it's any different than what we're going to experience trying to assimilate some kind of normal. And then the exhaustion, everyone is exhausted due to COVID, whether you've been staying home and dealing with online schooling or whether or not you're an employer having to shift or whether or not your employee concerned about your own health and well-being. Uh, And then there's the isolation, the breakdown in what was the community resources. So, how do you distinguish the difference? How do you know where God is and where he's not? Let's start there. You know, two things happening. In the area of the ministry, you know, that we felt God calling us into, we were seeing things advance. We were seeing fruit. We were seeing God working. You know, women were being healed on the street and, you know, things were moving forward. With the church plan, every time we tried to make a new effort for that, it was like, shoop, like it just doors just kept slamming shut. And so we could see that there was a difference, but we were also stuck in this thing of, but but this is what we're a part of, and this is what we were sent here to do. And so I think initially we actually thought our exhaustion came from the spiritual heaviness of the work that we're doing with the women. That was our initial thought. It wasn't until you know, we have somebody on the, the board at Extreme Mercy who checks in with us on a regular basis. He's a counselor. And so we were talking to him the one day about our exhaustion, just this, you know, spiritual exhaustion we were feeling and that we, you know, just some of our symptoms. And, uh, and he said, I think you guys are experiencing some burnout. I'd like you to get assessed. So we actually went through a psychologist and we're both shocked and horrified to find out that we're not invincible. <laughs> we knew of burnout. We knew people have been through burnout, but that like, happens to other people. But in a serious part of that was that it was kind of a shock to find out you're suffering you're suffering from burnout when you're doing something you love to do yeah and that, we're in full-time ministry we're this is like who gets to do this this is fantastic how can we yeah. possibly be burning out because we're doing doing god's work we're not yeah. going to burn out doing that are we exactly so so we were we were mandated to like stop everything stop engaging with the women stop everything we had people here thankfully that could carry things on and so we and this was like right before the pandemic hit that we were told to stop mm-hmm. 
And it wasn't until we stopped and that was when we realized that we had been just Martha all over the place, right? Oh gosh, yeah. And not enough Mary, like that we had been doing and not going back to the source enough and, and that our cup was empty, right? We were coming um, from an empty cup. Even going into sabbat- like this, the, the sabbatical we had to take, we carried a huge amount of guilt with us. Mm. And that's why we ended yeah. up doing all the work, the Martha stuff because we've got to do it with something. You know, people are people are like sending their hard-earned money for us to be here, so we we must be doing something all the time. We have to be, yeah. And so then when we finally said you've got to stop for three months, we're like, oh my gosh, we do that. And I remember we we put it out there to everybody that supports us. We explained what was going on and said we had to take this three months off. The response we got was phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. People saying so, and people, well, people were thanking us for being open about what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, so just to kind of put this kind of thing out there, that it is sometimes you need to just step back. Sometimes you need to stop. We were told to stop everything. The only thing we we were told to keep to do was spend time with God. Yeah, yeah, and it does make all the difference. It reminds me of I'm going to read this quick little excerpt mm-hmm. out of here. This is a book called Experiencing the Father's Love, and it's by Jack Frost. He really initiated the Father's Heart Ministry movement. Jaden touched a little bit about this last week, and the week before, we touched a little bit on it, which goes back to spending that time with Father God. This is a a day-by-day devotional, and this was yesterday's entry. I won't read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read the top of it, and it says this. To be subject to our own mission is to be led by our flesh, which leads to death. But to be subject to our father's mission leads to life and peace. Is your life and relationships at peace? Or is death slowly at work all around you? Your answer to those questions may determine what your life and your relationships as well as those of your children and grandchildren may be like in the future. Be subject to your own mission and barrenness will work its way into your emotions and relationships. Be subject to the father's mission and life and peace will begin to flow through you, spirit, soul, and body. And so it's a really good question is where is that peace? And so you found that peace through those three months. Mm -hmm. And how did you find that peace? Well, I mean, what you talked about there is exactly what happened. We found out through the three months, God was all over the stuff. The ministry with the women in prostitution, he was all over that. And that was the direction he wanted us to go in, which means we had to let go of the church planting side. And the hard part for that was we had to let go of the mission that we originally came down here with, the Shingu mission. We love them guys. They're family to us. So so to have to, we'd already ripped away, come away from all our family and friends in Cambridge and all this. We've done all this before. So then to have another family here that we were going to have to step away from was really scary and really hard. And it really involved a lot of trust. And I don't think that we could have done that without all the little steps of trust, you know, that we've had to take along this pathway is, you know, you don't start by jumping off of the, you know, off a cliff for God. You start by just stepping off of the curb, you know. Or stepping outside of your front door. Or stepping outside your front door, exactly. And just trusting 
you know, his plan for it all and, and letting him be the driver, letting him be in control, right? I mean, we talked about this, you know, yeah. yesterday that we did about letting God lead. And I it flashed me back to when Phil and I first met. He knows he knows how to sauce it in. So he wants to teach me. This is back in Nigeria, you know, we were hanging out at this uh, restaurant. And so he would take me out on the dance floor and try and show me how. And it was like, it was the most awkward looking thing because I kept like, like trying to push back and he's trying to lead me and I'm trying to like, I'm trying to sort of like anticipate where he's going to go and it, but I wasn't like just relaxing into his embrace and letting him lead me. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the way it is with God. A lot of times is that we're trying to like, we're trying to manipulate it. We're trying to control it. We're, we're trying to show God the way the dance is going to look. And that's not the way it works. And when I finally did, you know, relax and let him lead, you know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, right? Because we're in sync and we're, you and know, it's fun. and it's fun. It's Much a lot fun of fun. Than fighting against exactly. Your and there's life inside of it. And people get life watching us. You know, Brazilians are like, you guys are more Brazilian than us. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a good analogy for our walk with God is like, let him lead. It's so much more beautiful and fun. Yeah. In order to let your partner lead, in this case, the Lord, like, I mean, you know, trust is a huge part of this journey. Now, we only have about a couple more minutes left. Unfortunately, we don't have hours to really dive into the richness of your story. But trust. Talk a little bit more about trust and how that got developed with the Lord. We have to have connection. You've got to have that connection to trust. And you can't do any of this without trust. And you've got some really good recent stories about trust, right? With the whole hope mission and stuff. Why don't you unpack those? Well, we, so recently we felt, well, okay. So we, we started Hope Center, right? Which is the drop-in. We did it as a one-year pilot project. Well, we were coming up at the end of our year. Um, and with everything going on with COVID, we didn't know, you know, if we were going to be able to come back for furlough. And that's where we do all our fundraising. And we were like, not panicking, but but in that place of like, uh-oh, like this is the first time we've had some big expenses that we have to cover. And so we had put a couple of things out there, but nothing nothing really huge. Well, then we had um, two churches approach us asking us how they could help. We sent them our proposal and backing up a little bit as well. We had hired uh, Wellington. Wellington is Deanna's husband. Deanna's been working with us for you know three years now. He's going to be doing, he's doing all of our media and public relations and all that stuff and, and other things. And we felt that we were supposed to hire him. Uh, we didn't have the money to hire him. And we told him that. We said, yeah, you know, uh, God said hire you. So we're hiring you, but we just need to know you don't, we don't have money. <laughs> we're just going to, we're going to trust God on this one. Uh, so we hired him. Well, the donations that came in from these two churches, like covered everything. So the rent on Hope Center for a year, the salaries for him and Deanna, and these little mini courses that we're going to be starting up for both women that are at risk of getting to prostitution and women that are trying to get out. Like it, it was, it was the kind of thing of we would talk one day and say, man, we really need the money for that. And the next day we get a phone call or a message saying, hey, this is the money for that. It was, <laughs> and, and again, over the years that we've been doing this, we've gotten better and better at listening and actually just trusting and moving forward takes away a lot of the stress and worry Yeah. with each step. There's always some risk involved. There's always, always a little bit scary and it's never, it's never easy. 
it's like I always go back to the Gary Best analogy. Mm, yeah. of, you know, faith is standing on a diving board, looking into an empty pool and jumping, trusting God's going to put the water in for you, crack your skull open. Right. Not waiting for like, oh, is there any water in there yet? Should I jump? No, 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 no. You just jump. And that's not that's you don't start doing that. That that comes with the, all of those little it's like, you know, we're trusted with the little things and then he trusts us with big things. It goes the other way, too. The more we trust God in little things, the easier it is to trust him in the big things. And that's from Gary Best's book. Uh, I think Naturally Supernatural. Correct. Yeah. 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 So if anybody's looking to um, discover a little bit more about that. So before we transition to our worship song, let's just recap for a minute. Some of the the treasures that help us through transitions. And we've been talking from a perspective of the church, but for somebody who is not doing ministry in the church, understand whether or not you're working at the local restaurant or the local Wendy's, or it doesn't matter where where you are, whether or not you're a student at local school, high school student, it doesn't matter, a child in grade school, the principles are the same, is that there is a purpose that God has to work through you for you in that particular moment, wherever you find yourself. And it is to be based out of a relationship of trust And that trust starts with very small things of believing and stepping out. It also comes with hearing. I think of that that scripture there, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it is the word of God, his constant leading that encourages us to, to take these risky steps of faith and build our faith. Because faith comes by hearing the voice of the Lord, right? And so... Some of the tools that you had there, take a look at being very aware where life is and where it's sucking life out of you. And if there's a a sucking life out of you, like there are difficult things and it's not about avoiding difficult things. Doing the ministry that you're doing is a difficult thing at times. You encounter horrific stories that Mm -hmm. um, are, you know, they can affect you emotionally you know, as you've said so many times, these are people's baby girls. And and sure, I'm sure that when you're engaging with them, you're thinking about your own daughter, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes and your own sons. So there is it's not void of difficulty, but yeah. it is void of life. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. And so we want to tap into where life is. And that comes with hearing the voice of the Lord, asking him what are the next steps? Because right now we have these bright lights illuminating us so that you can see us clearly, you know, and when I stare at them, they're blinding, but that is generally not the way God is going to work with us on the everyday. He does give us that revelation of light breaking forth into our lives when we come to the Lord at first, but then it's the flashlight at our feet. You know, and it's the one step after the other and the resting, being cognizant of how much you're working. And it doesn't matter if it's ministry related or your nine to five or 15, 20 hour, 80 hour job. I don't care. Is that time being balanced on the opposite end with merry moments of being tapped in to God? Yeah. Because as Jeff so clearly read in the ESV, in the merry moments, we are distracted and also worried, you know? All right. Well, I do want to say, guys, um, you do an awesome thing 
we didn't actually get into what you're doing now, but a lot of people know you. But if anybody that's listening wants to know anything more about what Jen and Phil do there, um, how do they connect with you guys? What, what do they need to do to find out a little bit more about you? And just go to hopeministries.ca is our website. Um, or at hopeministries.ca is our Instagram. There is actually another video. There's a video that was just posted or will be posted where we were doing an interview with um, a coffee company, actually, who's now supporting us, Wild Ginger Coffee. So a little plug in there for her. So there's more of our story on there that flushes out some of the bits we didn't get in today. Uh, feel free to have a have a look there or contact us directly at uh, hope at extrememercy.com. Hopeministries.ca, is that correct? Yeah. All right. And so if anybody wants to connect with you, find out a little bit more of the journey. You have some really good nuggets. Experiencing God is a book that was very pivotal for Jen and Phil in learning how to hear the voice of God, learning how to trust, learning how to obey in those moments. And then, of course, the naturally supernatural and, of course, the word of God and listening, spending that time. Well, thanks guys so much for, for joining us. It's been wonderful seeing you again. It always is wonderful seeing you guys. And we'll see you live in person in the fall, right? You'll be back home in the fall. So we're looking forward to that. And if anyone is looking for prayer ministry right now, please email prayerministry at cbcf.ca. Laura is on here. She's watching that email and she will connect you to our team who's ready to pray with you. So just want to bless you guys. May you have a wonderful week. And uh, until next time, next week will be our last time streaming from home. And then we're back in the sanctuary, God willing. So bless you all and have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.